This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. It rained on our wedding day. And for about a week leading up to Tommy and I's wedding day, we got married on June 4th, 2016, which feels like forever and a day ago, but it was only four years. But for the week leading up to it, I I knew what the forecast was. And I kept trying to tell myself, it's okay if it rains. It's okay if it rains on my wedding day. It's, you know, isn't it ironic? All that good stuff. But like, I know it's good luck if there's rain on your wedding day, but something in me really didn't, I didn't want it to rain. No bride wants it to rain. We had an outdoor cocktail hour planned and we had these picture ideas in our head of where we were going to go. And I just, I had, I had plans and rain would mess those plans up. But of course, you know, I wake up that morning at like 5 a.m. and the hairstylist is at the house and the makeup artist is at the house and my bridesmaids are all there and everybody's getting ready and the thunder cracks and booms and it was like a, a lightning storm the whole morning. And when my dad, my mom, and I, we drove to the church at noon for this one o'clock wedding. It was pouring down rain. And they had to usher me into the church, like, surrounded by trash bags and umbrellas. And, and I remember thinking to myself, this is just a comedy of errors. Because the church where we got married um, has a bit of a slope to it. And in southwest Louisiana, where we're already under sea level, a church with a slope that goes into the ground floods. And so the back of the the, the sanctuary area, which fortunately we were not going to have to walk in, but it was already starting to get damp. And I just couldn't help but laugh to myself because the best laid plans of an outdoor cocktail hour in a church that wasn't flooded were, of course, being thrown out the window. And it was still a beautiful day. It was still a remarkably uh, prayerful and powerful mass and and you know we we got married and had a great party and left for our honeymoon in Colorado a couple days later and the rest is history as they say i think most of marriage and many married people would probably agree with the next statement most of marriage is just getting used to your best laid plans being completely and totally tossed out the window because something else has happened or has come along perhaps better than what you'd planned maybe worse but you adapt. It's almost as if the whole reason that you get graces in the sacrament of marriage is precisely because the Lord wants us to be able to adapt. And today's episode is with a couple who I think win the award for adapting in the year of 2020, Um, Riley and Nick Sharapa. And I can call them that now, Riley and Nick Sharapa. When I interviewed them earlier in the month, they were still engaged. And then a week ago, they got married. And so they are proper six days into marriage newlyweds when this episode drops on Friday, August the 21st. Um, And they have been engaged and planning a wedding in the middle of, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic. So if I was complaining about rain four years ago, I can only imagine how much Riley has had to deal with. And they talk a little bit about that in this episode. Um, very honestly and openly about kind of the struggles and the challenges that they've been facing, not just with planning the pandemic, but how difficult sometimes engagement in general can be. But even more than that, what dating and what relationships and what a fruitful single life can look like. You know, similar to our our Jackie and Bobby episode, you know, they're a few years ahead 
of Nick and Riley, and, and we've got some some couples who are more seasoned coming up later on in the season, as well as non-couples and single people and different different perspectives on Catholic family life. But but it's just like every other episode you're going to hear this season. There is an openness to the goodness of the Lord that is necessary if we're going to live these Catholic family lives to which we are called. And, you know, I'm no expert. I'm only four years in. But I'd have to say I think Nick and Riley are set up for a pretty good marriage. And I think Nick and Riley are perhaps one of the cutest couples I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. And not just because I know them both from Catholic Twitter. And not just because Nick loves Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. And I'm pretty sure it's his favorite song. But but because they encapsulate, I think, what maybe the Lord is inviting all of us to embrace, which is radical trust in his plans and in his providence. Even if it rains, even if there's a pandemic and you have to completely reroute your plans to your parents' backyard instead of at a gorgeous country club, you still get married, there's still grace, there's still goodness, and there's still life to be lived. This is, of course, all part of our Ave Explorers Catholic Family Life series, uh, you can get all of the excellent content we've created, the podcasts, articles, different videos, Facebook Live conversations, um, some special social media exclusives. You can find all of that over at AveMariaPress.com. I would encourage you to click down from in the show notes, sign up, and you can get those emails. You can also be entered to win a really cool gift basket with a lot of really awesome stuff. But ultimately, of course, you'll get all this excellent content that we've created. Today, though, we have content from um, two of my favorite people, and I really loved getting to sit down with them. The newlyweds of Catholic Twitter, um, a, a wonderful couple, and I'm so excited to see what life has in store for the two of them, and I'm pretty sure they can handle anything that comes their way. Nick and Riley Sharapa. Riley, Nick, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Did oh, it? Did we just, did we just start? We're starting, yeah. Oh, oh. thanks. We're glad yes. to be here. I, I was like, oh no, did I cut out? Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Sorry, that was my that was my weird start. Um, Nick, Riley, where are you guys? What are y'all doing? If I bumped into you in an elevator, who would I have met just then and there? Well, we're in we're in my house right now, soon to be our house, mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the AC doesn't work up here. So if you see this nice <laughs> little glow, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> Good to know. Is that like Summer's a Pittsburgh thing, or is it just you know your house just doesn't have AC? It's just like it, it's a finished attic, but it's still kind of an attic, you know? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. A podcasting studio of sorts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And what do you do? Like, what do y'all do professionally? What do you doing in the world? How are you spending your days? Right. So uh, I just got a job at St. John and Paul Parish in Wexford, Pennsylvania. It's a pretty big parish. We have something like 3,200 families, uh, which is pretty big for the East Coast. And I'm the youth minister. So I do sixth, seventh, and eighth grade uh, youth ministry. So middle school and then high school youth ministry. And, you know, the uh, ever popular other duties as assigned Mm -hmm. when you work at a parish. Oh, yeah. So you'll be picking up chairs and organizing the bulletin, all of it. Yeah. Doing all the things, yeah. <laughs> Running the, almost a Monsignor uh, without, the, <laughs> without the pay bump. And Riley, what about you? Uh, right now, I'm actually studying for my real estate license. So I moved to Pittsburgh, oh, almost a year ago this week, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of the mission life, so I was serving as a full-time missionary with a couple different organizations before that. So I came to Pittsburgh kind of without a plan, 
kind of in the world for the first time. Uh, went back to my old go-between of bartending for a while. Um, and a ministry now, in and of itself. Yes, it truly is. My favorite kind of ministry. Um, and yeah, and now I'm studying for my real estate license. I've just joined a, a real estate team here in Pittsburgh, which has been really exciting. Nice. New thing to get excited about. Yeah. <laughs> Riley, uh, my favorite, I mean, we've only met once, but you brought me coffee one time. I was in Pittsburgh for a meeting and it was yeah. from, an, uh, what was the story there? Like you showed up and you were like, I think this might be satanic coffee. And I was like, nice, it's nice to meet you too. Um, can I have that though? Cause I really could use some coffee. What was the story there? I, I forget some of the details. Yes. So you just let me know which retreat center that you were staying in. So I did a little quick Google, you know, and I was like, Oh, this is the closest coffee shop. And you were like, well, I won't be able to leave. So if you just bring coffee here, let's hang out. So I said, great. That's the closest one. I'll drive by, pick it up. I pulled up. There's like a lot of cops around. Um, thought that was really interesting. And I walk inside and actually it was entirely empty except for the barista and all of the decor was like upside down goat heads on crosses and like crazy. And all the specialty coffee drinks were $6 and 66 cents. And then I was like, oh, I'm so glad we didn't meet here. I don't, I wouldn't have known how to eat, drink anything here. I wouldn't have known how to function. (laughs) So instead you came to this like old school Pittsburgh retreat center where we were planning a summer of Steubenville conferences that ended up never happening because of COVID. Mm. I I remember you just satanic coffee and it was that's I just love that that's how we met Um, yeah and I I love the two of you on and I'm gonna be the millennial here and say on Twitter um because that's kind of how I got to know the both of you how I kind of kind of know your story um, which we want to hear more about um but I, I want to just affirm the two of you in the throes of wedding planning. Like the two of you just, you share the engaged life so joyfully, even though it is such a temporary state in life. Um, so before we get to that, though, I want to talk, I want to zoom in on the, each of you individually and tell me a little bit about before you met, who was Nick and who was Riley and what were you doing? And, you know, how are you living life as a single man and as a single woman, um, in the world, Riley, I know you were in England for a bit of time. Nick, have you always been in Pittsburgh? So just tell me, tell me those stories pre the couple that you are. All right. Well, um, when I graduated from John Carroll University in Cleveland, I was Jesuit educated, and I like I wanted to do something big and successful. So uh, in media, media is my background. Uh, but the Lord said, do something Catholic. I'm like, fine. <laughs> so I applied uh, for to work at the National Catholic Reporter. That's the reporter one. And I worked there for about nine months. And the Lord said, no, this isn't for you. And I felt that too within my own heart. Because uh, I didn't know their editorial stance or things like that. And uh, good people there, but just I couldn't, I didn't really fall in line there. I came back to Pittsburgh and uh, I had no job. I had nothing. I remember um, my pastor saying, hey, do you still do videos and make like, uh, you know, magazines and things? I'm like, yes. He's like, well, I might have a job for you. And I thought, no, <laughs> working at a Catholic parish is the least successful thing you can do with your life. How could I tell my friends <laughs> I look, work at my like home church? But it was a job and I started praying there. And uh, when you start praying, like it changes things, right? So I worked there for a while doing the bulletin, the website videos, and I worked for the Diocese of Pittsburgh, basically teaching parishes uh, how to do what I was doing at St. John and Paul Parish. Then I came back as a youth minister shortly after that, but like 
As far as the singleness goes, I went on so many dates. I actually used to have business cards. No. It said Nick Sharapa, single, <laughs> suave, and delicious. So I would just like, anytime, anytime I was... Uh, Does that work? It so did. People laugh so hard. So like, you know, maybe uh, the server smiled at me a certain way at a restaurant. I'm like, oh, let's slip a business card in there or like in the drive-thru of a restaurant. I went on so many dates and got to know so many different people. They didn't last very long. Um, you know, like, uh, but I, 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 the best advice I ever got about being single is go on a date. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I went on plenty of them, uh, which led to uh, meeting up with Riley, which is a crazy story. Mm-hmm. But Well, okay. Can I ask a little bit about the dating thing? Yeah. Like there might be some people listening to this. I hope maybe some young men who are listening to this who are terrified to ask a girl out on a date or they've been rejected a, a number of times or like dating is just kind of this weird thing now because instead we call it hanging out. What, yeah. like, what was your, what was your move? Like what, besides handing out a business card, like what, what advice would you give to guys to kind of be bold and ask women out? You have to use the date word. Uh, you just have to use the date word. And it's mm-hmm. amazing. If you ask any woman, like uh, what would she prefer to be asked to hang out or to ask to go on a date? If you say, will you go on a date with me? Let's go grab coffee sometime. Just like that. You, it's so foreign to most women that I've met that if you do that, mm-hmm. they'll say yes. Like this is the moment they've been waiting for. Like finally, yeah. I actually said date and yeah. the expectations are clear. Um, so as far as being bold, j- just do it. Worst mm-hmm. case, I mean, play it out to its end. <laughs> Get rid of the anxiety, right? Play it out to its end. Worst case scenario, she says no. And you say, okay. Well, yeah. Thanks. I just thought it'd be fun. The end. And yeah. then go find someone else to ask out on a date. So intentionality and purposefulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. I agree. A hundred percent. Nice. All right. Awesome. Okay. Riley, your turn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I met Nick, <laughs> um, I was pretty just generally opposed to the idea of marriage, not for other people. It just was not for me. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. It was like really not my deal. Like I remember um, being really excited when I got a particular score on my tests in school. Cause that meant that I could get a particular scholarship, which meant I wouldn't have any debt so that I could like go be a consecrated virgin or go be in the convent somewhere or like, and, and not worry about having like school debt. So like, I remember that being like a really important thing in my life was like mm-hmm. all of the things that I could do to live a radical life for Christ in a way that was like really different than other people. <laughs> and also I just found dating really frustrating. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I uh, didn't find men that wanted to date me and also wanted to lead me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like par for the course when you have a very strong personality <laughs> as a woman, like there are like, I, either an intimidation factor or like, I don't want to deal with the fact that you have such a big personality that it doesn't seem like easy to get along with. Like you're just going to argue or whatever. So I felt like dating was like an uphill battle. A lot of the time I did have like a couple of long-term relationships, but I recognized my own like really deep unhappiness in them. Mm. And I, when I talked to the Lord about it in prayer, it was always like, I just don't understand how, you could ever ask me to get married if every man I've ever met has only pulled me further away from you. Mm. Like I don't, 
And say so say I, that again. Say that because your faith was such an important part. You didn't want yeah. somebody who just like also was passively Catholic, but but right. like it was intentional about their faith. Right. Yeah. It was so important to me to be led closer to Jesus through a relationship. And I felt like every relationship I was in distracted me from Jesus mm. or uh, was distinctively trying to pull me away from my faith. Mm. And so I just was really frustrated with dating in general, but continued to feel a call in my heart towards marriage as I moved through mission life. So I was, I served as a missionary for almost three years um, in England in the diocese of Westminster and then um, in Ohio at Damascus Catholic mission campus. And in England, the dating scene is really fast and casual there. People don't start dating till like their mid thirties. And when they do, they'll date like everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just like, nothing is long-term. And so the dating scene there was really frustrating because I was like, you, you just want to settle down and get married. You're not actually willing to be in an intentional relationship. And then um, in America, there's just like a missionary subculture of dating fast or like forbidden dating. And there's just, uh, there's like a lot of weirdness surrounding it that makes it hard for people to feel like they can pursue Jesus and be in a healthy, loving Jesus centered relationship. Mm -hmm. So I felt really a lot of frustration. Yeah. (laughs) Like the whole dating thing, marriage thing, like all of it just seemed like a big waste of my time. And (laughs) like, there's a major distraction from the Lord, but like, I didn't like stop dating. Like I was Mm -hmm. never one to be like, I'm going to turn down dates. Like, I'm just sick of this. Like, I don't want to do this. Like I didn't get jaded necessarily, just kind of frustrated. Um, Yeah. And so when Nick and I met, it was breath of fresh air. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, I think that's the story of so many couples is, and then I met them. Um, (laughs) But I want to, and then, and it's like, but that doesn't, that's like the dot, dot, dot to the story. I think a lot of people struggle because that then is how the story pivots. It's like, it was awful or like I was dating a lot, but like, how did you two find fruitfulness in your lives as single people? Cause that's, I mean, some people choose to be single. Um, yeah. Some people are single because of the circumstances surrounding their life. And, and there's not any really good way to say it if a person wants to be married, but isn't. Um, because it, it encapsulates all these different groups of people, but there's fruitfulness to be found and there's sacrifice that's still required within yeah. the single life. You're not just on a hold until you're married with kids and then life gets fun and exciting. What were some ways that you found intentional fruitfulness in oh, your single lives? Right. For me, it was, it was taking the universal call to holiness seriously mm-hmm. um, because I, I would have discussions with my friends as I started to get older, right? Uh, about is the single life a vocation and people say this or that like uh, right. one way or the other but I said well if it is a vocation it needs theology and it needs sacrifice so what I would start doing is uh and this led up perfectly to our relationship if a friend was moving I was the single guy I had to be there to help them move they're painting their house I had to be there I had to start sacrificing mm-hmm. in just my regular normal actions if someone needs something I'm the one you can call and talk to all night. Why? Because I don't really, it's so easy to be selfish in those situations. So Mm. um, I threw myself into service of my friends and my family thinking if, uh, if for some reason I don't find someone, then I need to love people. Otherwise I'll become that person who sits on their front porch saying, kids get off my lawn and won't grow and and that sort of thing. So That's where I found it for me, a lot yeah. of fruitfulness. Almost like in creating families. Like you like went into families and like, I'm part of this. Like I'm part of your life and I'm part of your relationship. How about for you, Riley? I think uh, 
mine was definitely aided by living uh, in missionary community after college. Um, first of all, because there was something to throw all of myself into um, and a place that encouraged that above seeking a spouse or seeking dating relationships. Like when I, when my feet hit the floor every morning, it was because like, I'm doing this for these kids, for this youth, for this diocese, for like whoever my mission was towards at that time, like mm-hmm. everything really had to be focused and purposeful for like the good of another person. Um, and it didn't have to be be to benefit me in any way because that's just like the nature of missionary life is like to literally lay your life down for another um and so I think just being an environment where that was the standard the norm and what was expected of me helped me to just completely be outside of myself like Nick said it's really easy um to fall into in any stage of your life but especially when you're single it's really easy to fall into a selfishness or Mm -hmm. self-preservation and I feel like living in missionary community never allowed me to do that as easily as it would have had I been like working in a secular job or just going to school or whatever um, that is. Yeah. Yeah. One, it's a perfect setup for marriage too, because I mean, selfishness is hard. If you're selfish in marriage, if if one of you or both of you are selfish, it's just not going to work. You'll be miserable pretty quickly. You'll figure that out very soon. Um, And, uh, but so you met, then you met. Um, How did you meet? It, it, I know Twitter is involved. Oh, okay. um, Nick, so he shot his shot. I remember watching some of it go down. And then now yeah. here we are in August of 2020 and you guys are about to get married. Yes. So uh, going to Columbus to go on a first date with someone I haven't met from Twitter is not the weirdest, weirdest way I've gone on a date. I went uh, to Pennsylvania to do it, buddy. We're right there. With <laughs> oh, yeah. no, I am there. Online relationship formation is a beautiful thing. We have two kids. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my older brother, Father Anthony Sharapa, had a podcast with a guy named Father Harrison Ayer. Uh, and I was producing the podcast. It's called Clerically Speaking. And they were talking about like the single life vocation. And Anthony sighs deeply into the microphone and says, ah, oh, because they, they, they don't think the single life is a vocation. Oh, oh. no. Because uh, they were talking about Hansers von Balthasar. And that's what he thinks. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> he sighs deeply into the microphone. And he says, if that's the case, then someone needs to go on a date with my brother. He's nice. He works for two churches. He's a part-time youth minister. And he works for the diocese. Like, he's a good guy. Starts talking me up. I'm editing the podcast. Like, so could have taken it out. But I'm like, nah, that's fine. You know, we'll just leave that in. That's good content. So uh, this one is listening to the podcast and messages the podcast saying, hey, don't say that your brother is single, especially on Catholic Twitter. Anthony, Father Anthony, you have like thousands of followers on Twitter. Don't do that. There's too many weirdos out there. So many weirdos. It's true. (laughs) On the next podcast, Anthony tweets saying, no, I'm doubling down on this. And he brings it up again. I think it's great. I think it's funny. It's a good laugh. Uh, then Riley tweets at the podcast Twitter account saying something like, well, I'll, I'll go on a date with your brother if you pronounce my name correctly on Twitter. Okay. Now this is the part where like, I have to ask to go on a date. Now, so I did what the, the youths do and I slid into her DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that he sent a message privately. It was no longer on public yeah. Twitter forum for our, our non-Twitter users. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So uh, I messaged her and I used the word date and I gave a specific time and a mm-hmm. specific place. 
it's very important. If it's too vague, then it's just like, oh yeah, maybe we can do that would be the response. But I have to receive a yes or a no if I mm -hmm. say date and here and what we're doing. Um, and she responded to me saying, I'm a missionary, so I won't know my schedule for a month. And I said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let me know when you're free. So the ball was in her court yeah. after I gave the specific date. Um, we set a date for October, what was it? Like 27th. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I knew she would know. Yeah. Ours was June that's 9th. Why, I distinctly true. remember place, time, location, the whole nine yep. yards. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I said, like, let's meet, let's meet halfway. Um, and then a few weeks into it, my, my former youth minister, I guess a youth minister stays your youth minister for forever. forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We maintained a, a good friendship. She said, oh, you're going to meet halfway? Or you could drive the whole way and pray for salvation like a real man. I was like, shut up, Julie. My youth minister's name is Julie. And I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll message Riley. I'm like, hey, it's no big deal. I'll drive three hours to Columbus. Let's go on a date. Mind you, I'm in, when he sends that text message, I'm like driving back. I've driven 14 hours that week already while living a missionary lifestyle. Yeah. Been back and forth, doctor's appointments, et cetera, et cetera. I'm exhausted. I don't know him. I don't even really care to go on the stage. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm so over this. And I'm driving like for another three hours. And I thought, as soon as I park, I'm going to text him. I'm going to cancel this weekend. I'm just tired. I don't want to do it. And I just don't want to drive that far for this date. Yeah. So when he texted me and he was like, well, I'll just come to the city that you live in. And I was like, well, there's my out. Like there my is. out is gone. I don't get, <laughs> I have no, no excuse. Not up with it. Were you regretting sending that initial message? Or Riley, was there like a, you were kind of shooting your shot by sending that message to, to the pod? Um, no, I just think I'm snarky. Like I was just trying to be funny. <laughs> you're just, you're just being <laughs> yourself. I followed him on Twitter actually. <laughs> I followed her though. <laughs> it was like a legit, Hey, your brother's going to get some crazy. Cause there can be, yeah. there is somewhat of a, Right. A, a toxic, I'm going to say thirst culture, which again, yeah. some of our youth, our youth ministers, some of our, um, I'm mixing up my lingo. Some of our listeners might not know what that means, but basically right. like people overtly flirt sometimes in a creepy way to the point where like, you don't right. even want to put yourself out there at a certain point. Cause you, you, it's just, it's, there's boundaries that yeah. get crossed. Well, um, and that's the thing too, is like, I was always, I, I'm in my experience of Catholic women, there's so many wonderful Holy Catholic women and there's not a lot of <laughs> wonderful Holy Catholic men that are intentional. So, yeah. Right. So that, that are like pursuing their faith that care to have a Jesus centered relationship, et cetera. Um, and so I know how those women feel after waiting for a long time to find men like that. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's like a level of desperation that like makes you behave in a way that you would not have behaved five years ago. Right. When you and there's fear. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so he yeah, drives to Columbus. To have creepy girls around him. <laughs> right. Like you were looking out for him as a brother in Christ. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm not one of those creepy girls, but so now yeah. he drives to Columbus, Ohio. What'd you do for your first date? What did that look like? So Riley told me that she liked bourbon. I'm like, okay, let's go to a distillery. Um, so we go to a distillery and she orders a water. I'm like, ah, okay. I'll also have a water. <laughs> And the beautiful thing was, I think we were both waiting for each other to mm -hmm. order a drink, but neither of us did. And I was trying to follow suit and she was trying to follow suit. And yeah. um, so, but that was kind of neat. We had a lovely sober date at a distillery. Uh, 
And our poor server was our server for about five hours. So long. I felt so bad for her. Yeah. <laughs> did you have food or did you sit there nursing waters? Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're sitting there for five hours of ice water. Not have a lot of food. We tipped extraordinarily well. <laughs> like, okay, good. More than 50% because like they say 20% per hour like that you're there. Oh my gosh. Um, but we talked for a long time. And by the end of the day, because we didn't just talk about Catholicism, we got to know each other first. Like, let's not do the deep stuff first. Let's just have fun, mm -hmm. uh, was my mentality going in. And that's kind of what happened. Um, towards the end of the date, I was talking to her for five hours. We were going back to our own inside jokes that we made, I don't know, four hours prior. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I looked up the city as far as what to do next. And we had no time to do plenty of the other activities because we were just enjoying talking to each other so much. So I said, hey, um, where do you live compared to here? She said, about 40 minutes north. I said, well, 20 minutes north, there's an adoration chapel. Do you want to go? Because it was going in that cool direction. And she says, oh, you mean, and you said the name of the church? Immaculate Conception. I'm like, you, I'm like, you know the name of the church that has 24-hour adoration? Like, this is cool. Because she was, we were meshing. Like, she was yeah. my kind of normal, right? Uh, and, and, and she was willing to pray at the end of the day. I'm like, this is sweet. Like, worst case scenario, if this doesn't go anywhere, which I do want to go somewhere, like, I really got to know a, a cool person. And ending the night in prayer is a, is a neat idea. So we went. Uh, and then he, here's the closer. Dudes, if you want to <laughs> go on another date, you have to be specific again. Yeah. And say, this was great. Like, uh, but I wanted her to come to Pittsburgh, I said. So I asked her, when are you coming to Pittsburgh for our next date? Mm. Right? Good, good, smooth. Yeah. Every every woman right now is cheering, and every man is taking. <laughs> so this is good, and every couple is thinking, "Oh, I remember those days." Now, the days <laughs> yeah. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing these two. Uh, clearly, they are full of of joy, and I can only imagine that's since expanded and expounded in their life now that they are actually married. Um, if you're enjoying this conversation, especially what they have to say about the single life being a time of fruitfulness and sacrifice, I'd encourage you to sign up for all of our Ave Explorers content over at AveMariaPress.com and especially alert you to a, a fun thing that we have coming up next Tuesday on August 25th. Um, we have this really awesome Facebook Live interview, so it's kind of like a live broadcast of a podcast, and we're bringing on three excellent guests to talk about the single life and how it can be a fruitful time of service and sacrifice uh, in your own life, in the lives of other people, and for the church. So click on over to AveMariaPress.com to find all of the excellent Ave Explorers content. All right, back to these two lovebirds. So Riley, what is going through your head? This guy drives three hours, orders a water after you, and takes you to a chapel. Are you like, okay, let's get married? Like, I want to have your kids, or like, what's like, what's going through your head? Um, I think had it been like two years prior to that, I probably would have felt like that. Mm -hmm. But I was like, genuinely dating at all, much less dating long distance, was going to be a major inconvenience for me. Like. <laughs> I work 115 hours a week as a missionary. <laughs> yeah. I'm never off. I don't get to choose. Like I have one evening off a week. That was just like, that's just the life that I was living. And, um, it was just insane. <laughs> like to even have gone on the state, like, like he said, like I told him, I was like, I'll let you know, maybe I'll be free in a month. Like, I don't know. You know, like I would, I would love to go on a date with you, but I don't know when I'm going to be free. And so for me, it was like, 
why is this date going so well? This is not the time in my life for me to be dating somebody, especially if it's going to be long distance. And so, and I also didn't know like how committed I was to the mission field that I was serving at that time. So I was like, I don't know if I want to stay here for the rest of my life. Does he want to stay in Pittsburgh for the rest of his life? Is this just going to always be entirely incompatible? And so even though I had a lot of fun on the date, I was still like, ah, uh, um, I'll let you know when I'm coming to Pittsburgh. And like two yeah. days later, I texted him. I was like, I have to. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. I've never had such a good first date. Like I've never just connected with somebody so quickly. So um, yeah, it just made sense to do the inconvenient thing. Yeah. Which was um, not normal for my life. <laughs> which is marriage to yeah, eat, exactly. right? Most of marriage is doing inconvenient things for somebody you listen cough all the time. Like that's like... <laughs> just get ready. You're going to hear all of the noises. Right. But, um, but it's, it's comforting. Like if Tommy's not snoring, I get annoyed because it's like something wrong. Like I'm so used to, um, so you date y'all are long distance and then Riley, you make the move. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of accelerating through the story because I want to get to the engagement. Um, but before we get to the engagement, I want to ask in the course of dating, what were some things that the two of you made sure you did to be in that, like, I'm going to call it discernment mode. There was, there obviously came a moment where you were like, this is, this is real. This is not mm-hmm. casual. This is not just, you know, we're, we're getting something from each other, but like we want life together. What were maybe a couple of things you intentionally did to keep that relationship, as you keep saying, really focused on Christ, which was clearly important to the both of you. Right. I think uh, when we were long distance dating, uh, we, I would drive two hours to Zanesville, Ohio, and she'd drive one hour to Zanesville, and we'd meet in the parking lot of St. Thomas Aquinas Church, and we'd I go in, about yeah, that. <laughs> and we, we'd go in, and they had a rosary right at six o'clock, which is about the same time we went in, so we started every date like that, mm. um, praying together, so I, I think um, praying together, there was an intimacy there. Yeah. There, of course there is, especially when you're being honest, and, and the way she prayed was was neat because it was like oh this person has a relationship um and we know the same guy like we can yeah yeah yeah, it's a real cool thing and um I think that was the basis of a lot of it and then constant communication and uh I think that if if there's one thing that we're particularly good at it's talking to each other about hard things Mm -hmm. um which is so important in dating yeah yeah and once we could go through like a few hard things together and um, and pr- make a promise to be brave with each other, um, and sometimes a little bit crazy to do the things that we had to do to see each other. Uh, there was commitment there. Um, it was it was good. I think mostly just prayer and good communication. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then you propose, Nick. How'd sure you, did. How'd, how'd you propose? Actually, I want to hear it from Riley's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back and ask Nick what's running through his head. Yeah. How, how did he get down on one? Did he get down on one knee? I remember seeing yeah. it on Twitter because, like, yeah. we were all waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he actually he actually really surprised me, um, which is impressive because I would consider myself a person who is not easily surprised. <laughs> but I was pretty surprised. In as much as like I expected it either a month before that or like a year later, but I didn't expect it at the exact time that he was doing it. So you've been dating I, for how long? How long? We were dating for nine months. Okay. okay. By the time we got engaged. Yeah. So we, um, he was just like, can I take you on a date Thursday? And I was like, yeah, like I just moved to Pittsburgh maybe three or four weeks before. Like we really hadn't had time to like just go on a date. Like I was still learning where the grocery store was and mm-hmm. et cetera. So, um, 
he's like, can I take you on a date Thursday? And in uh, Pittsburgh, we have a church called St. Patrick's. Um, it's actually where St. John Newman, he was a priest there for a while, but there is a replica of the Holy Stairs that Jesus ascended to get his sentence from Pontius Pilate. And one of the actual holy stairs is there too. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ascend them on your knees. There's 33 stairs and there's a prayer for each stair. So um, we had prayed them like one time when I visited Pittsburgh before. And it's just a really powerful experience. So um, when he's like, yeah, we should go pray them. Like now that you live here, we haven't done that here before. I will just go to dinner afterwards. And I said, sounds great. Love to go pray in that church. Love good dinner. <laughs> Easy Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so um, we were praying the Holy Stairs together, and um, when we got to the top, there was like candles and incense everywhere, and um, our good friend is the pastor of that parish. <laughs> good to know <laughs> that, yeah, the home team. Nick out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, and then he got down on one knee, um, and he told me about the time that he felt that Jesus asked uh, him to propose, like that he told Nick that we were going to spend the rest of our lives together um and then asked me if I would marry him and I was like yeah dog (laughs) (laughs) there was a photographer right like there's pictures of this yes yes that was the most awkward part I wish he had a zoom lens because he got like real close I'm like hey dude (laughs) this is this is our (laughs) (laughs) so Nick you decide to propose on top of the stairs Jesus climbed to die that's huge um <laughs> husbands love your wives like christ loves the church i love that uh-huh. imagery um what's running through your head uh i prayed the first so you go up the stairs on your knees right mm. um i prayed the first 30 of the 33 steps i really did because <laughs> yeah. they're all about love and how christ loves loves us i'm like sacrificial love like this is marriage right this is awesome the last three i'm like okay you genuflect with your right knee in front of God, but the You're left thinking. knee in front of a creature, but the tabernacle's there still. So how do I get down? I'm going to go with the left knee because it's for her. <laughs> That'll be cool. And then you're going to say these words. It's one sentence that you want to say. Blah, 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 blah. Will you marry me? Okay, cool. Like the last three steps were like, I'm getting sweaty. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's terrifying. Uh, yeah, um, it, was, it was the good kind of terrifying, right? Yeah. Like I fully anticipated a yes um and uh it, I, I was in between two jobs so I'm like now's the time to do it <laughs> when you I mean know? yeah I mean massive I transition got yeah. a free week you know <laughs> yeah that's true that she can tell her family can celebrate it online can um, yep. so that was how long y'all been engaged for how long now almost a year yep about mm-hmm. 11 months yeah 11 months and in the midst of being engaged, what has changed? What has shifted? What have you learned maybe more about what's to come? The hardest part about being engaged is not being married. <laughs> I think that's the thing that we both, like uh, every goodbye where mm-hmm. she has to drive back to her house or I have to drive back to mine at the end of the night. We live about 25 minutes apart, which isn't long, but for a year long engagement is kind of long. Yeah. Um, I think that's the the biggest part. We're just so excited. If if I were to redo it, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but we would do a shorter engagement. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> she was saying that before you popped into the room. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's a huge insight. It's that like you're excited for what's to come. Engagement is only supposed to be an ellipses. It's not. It's a temporary thing. Exactly. How have you tried to be more intentional, maybe with uh, this change in relationship? Then, 
I think one of the things that has been really distinct that we've had a lot of really good conversations about is um, dying to all of the other lives that we could have been living Mm. um, and really like closing the back door on um, any other choices and any other opportunities and like really choosing this relationship, this marriage, this family to pour everything into. And that means like giving up some weird dreams or weird goals or uh, things that are not actually the Lord's intention for our life. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's like a level of grief to that, that because it is a real dying to self, Mm -hmm. but um, also a freedom and knowing like the choice has been made and this is where I am. And this is what we are doing together. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think another thing too, like um, I have a relationship with the Lord and a spiritual director and uh, things to discern. And so there have been times in my life where I have um, said goodbye to all my sensibilities to do what the Lord's asking me to do. And that's cool because mm-hmm. I'm just responsible to that. But then if the Lord and Riley are having a conversation and the Lord says, you need to do this. I'm like, uh, I have to trust that. And it's not like I've had the time to process and discern. I just have to trust my fiance Mm-hmm. and say all right if you're well discerned and and you, you did the praying and you did the thinking okay let's do it mm-hmm. it's not what I would have done but let's do it <laughs> yeah that, that is so raw and so new to me um but but neat it's it's worked out just like it would for me yeah I mean it's a, it's a growing in trust that only yeah. it only grows deeper as you face more and more things from the mundane to the huge nice. um I, there's a distinct moment I realized in our relationship in Tommy and I's marriage where it was like, oh, we're at that level now. Um, and it, I mean, it was after a baby's born, like nothing is hidden anymore. And I needed his help to go to the bathroom. And it's like, I don't even care right now that, yeah. that like he essentially has to carry me over there because like yeah. there, and that's, so I'm, I'm glad to know that you know that because that's, that trust is huge for the married life. I'm not giving unsolicited marriage advice. It's my least favorite. We're taking it. I I promise. I just, I'm so happy and and it's refreshing to hear that from an engaged couple because you hear so often of the engaged couples who are disillusioned or who walk in not knowing what's coming or had terrible marriage prep experiences, which we're not going to brag on all of those because I think you guys have done well. Um, But you also have had a massive wrench thrown into the system because the world does not look like it normally looks. So how has, and, and please be as honest and as raw and yell at the mic if you want, how has been planning a wedding and living half of your engagement in a pandemic been? Bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> bad. I'm I the show there. It's been bad. It's happened, but it hasn't. No. Uh, <laughs> you, just imagine all of your worldly, lovely uh, uh, plans for marriage just being destroyed again and again and again and again and again. And so you hold on to like this earthly hope. I'm not, not the virtue of hope, like the hope that you can have this thing that you like and you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And then that gets crushed. And then you get over it because this thing is going to happen. That gets crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had three different venues with uh, different amounts of people. We've planned three weddings. They've all <laughs> been scrapped. We're having 40 <laughs> people in my parents' backyard rather than 340 people. Like, uh it's just, it's a repetitive beat down of what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and then like you, you talked about like uh, unsolicited advice. Uh, we had to call and uninvite everyone recently. 
Yeah. I think that was the hardest part for us. That mm -hmm. was the biggest blow because um, you just had to hear people talking about it over and over and over again. <laughs> From your aunt that you didn't even want there in the first place, although oh. one random friend, yep. Yep, because people would say, your governor is a jerk, COVID's a lie. You get everything from that to like, oh, don't worry, you're still getting married. I'm, and we're like, yeah, duh. we know. <laughs> it still sucks, yeah. Then, yeah. then you have the beautiful friends who are like, I'm sorry, that sucks. And I was like, thank you, and it does. Yeah, like, I want to hear Oh, yeah. you heard a little. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, how do you uninvite, uh, like, Katie, how would you uninvite someone from your wedding? Like, so how would I you actually, start? My husband and I were talking about this because his cousin's <laughs> facing it. Um, and I was like, I think I would just make an Instagram post and that'd be the end of it. Like, I would just make <laughs> it as little engagement with the reality of it and hope that people see it because they know the hashtag. <laughs> but Go then, ahead. of course, like, your mother, my mother would never have allowed that <laughs> Like my my parents stressed out about is the cocktail hour going to start out on time? So I cannot imagine a COVID wedding. Yeah. Um, Riley, I think everyone listening is going to be like, okay, so how's the bride? Uh, <laughs> what's been going through your head? It is just like you know, crap hits the fan every single day, and I think I'm just in a room full of fans and crap now. Um, I named the episode that a room full of fans and crap with the Sharapas. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So it's just like things that I, I would say that just as a general, like I'm pretty high strung as a person for things that are for others, mm -hmm. because like, I really care about something if it's at service of another for like, mm -hmm. for me, for like my wedding, I've been very chill. Cause I'm like, meh, it's just for me. Like, it's not a big, like, I don't need it to be perfect. Cause it's for me. If it were for you, I would need it to be per you know? So, um, so generally I'm pretty like, chill about things and I never realized I would ever cry about things like yesterday my makeup artist uh backed out oh. 10 days before the wedding and I was like I don't care about makeup I know Nick doesn't care what my makeup looks like it's just like one more, <laughs> thing, one more thing and I just don't want to do the one more thing anymore um so I, yeah I'm uh I'm excited to not be engaged anymore oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just decided to be there. We're getting yep. married the 15th, yeah. and then it's we're we're married. Right. And like Nick said, like people everybody likes to say, Well, don't worry, at the end of the day, you'll be married to your best friend. And I'm like, right, right, right. But I could get married to my best friend and that be it. But we also plan to party. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sad about the party. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean yeah. I it's I my heart has broken for many of the couples that like have lost that celebration like even the, the you know I'm not gonna wallow for you because uh, right. I'm sure you but like even the photos that like you want with yeah. you know that party moment and you guys were like all about this wedding planning oh, early yeah. on <laughs> I think you were inviting every musician in the world oh yeah I, I just wanted to want joke about needing a billboard hit to get an invite and <laughs> <laughs> so like I, it's almost like the Lord saying like all right I'm gonna they can handle this so I'm gonna stretch them to the limit because mm -hmm. they already know me and then, you know, marriage will be super easy and <laughs> you'll never have any Ooh, problems and you'll make so I just keep saying, I, there's no way that I have any purgatory time left. Like I'm doing it. Fresh I'm start. Done. <laughs> yeah. All the indulgences. They say tough pregnancies equal, you know, easy babies. So I wonder if, oh, if tough sweet. engagements equal an easy first period of marriage. That's, sweet. Um, that's what I'm going to pray for, for you guys. Thank uh, you. So, um, Aside from, we just won't be engaged anymore. What are you most looking forward to in married life? You're not allowed to say the wedding night. <laughs> oh, fair. <laughs> um, I'm excited. Like when it's time to go to bed, we don't have to say goodbye. Yeah. 
you know, and we have the same place mm -hmm. uh, to go. That's nice. Um, I'm all, oh, and then like driving separately, like it, it's, it's really just a logistical, it's not a nightmare. It just stinks, you know? It's yeah. not, no, it's nice to have somebody else to drive. You can sit on your phone while they're driving. It's nice. No, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah. I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Riley, do you have something? Yeah. I think, uh, some of the things I'm excited about are, um, I'm just such an extrovert <laughs> and I like to, in like the most elementary way of describing it, like to be at a sleepover with your best friend every night for the rest of your life just sounds really great. You know, like, and just like <laughs> it is, it's a lot of fun like, to spend time to get like genuine quality time with the person who knows you better than anybody else knows mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Um, just like brings a lot of peace to my heart to not like be in the waiting of like, I've always lived with like eight different roommates and like feel like I'm just like chips in the night. Nobody really cares where I am, what I'm doing, whatever. And like a lot of that's just like, I have a very transient personality, but like to be so like vitally connected to a person and know there's somebody to check in with and to somebody to be accountable to mm -hmm. and responsible with and for mm -hmm. and to is just like a self for my heart, I think. Oh yeah, same. That's awesome. I mean, I think you guys are ready. We're, you have been on our prayer list, but Tommy and I are a long-distance couple that got married, so we pray for all long-distance couples. We've been praying for you guys. Um, you're, you're in the fam. You're in the club of... Thanks. You know? And I think you guys, like, win the award of the toughest couple because of what you've put up with for the past few months. Thank you. Um, so, I, I mean, when this episode drops, you guys will be married, so I, you will have a yes! ton of listeners hopefully praying for you guys in that first week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thanks so much for, for your time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking cool questions. Yeah. It was nice <laughs> to relive all that. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's, I remember when people would ask Tommy and I was like, oh, we'd love to tell our story. Um, <laughs> where can we find you guys? Where can we support you? Where can we, where, I know you'll have a wedding website. Can we put that in the show notes? Would that be okay? Yeah. You can go to sharapas.com. Uh, cool. have... <laughs> That's easy. There. Yeah. Uh, and then um, what's my Twitter handle? At Papa Sharapa. Oh, at Papa Sharapa. P A P P A and then Sharapa. Oh my gosh, it's it's a. We'll link it. We'll link it, and and oh, yeah. we'll link yours. End of days, woman. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for your time. Thank you. Thank you. This is lovely. Normally, when I edit an episode, I do it in one sitting, but with this one, you know, life kind of got in the way, and so I had to start and stop a few different times, and it was actually kind of nice to get to listen to this conversation. Uh, in pieces and to get to hear their story again and again and and I think that if you follow them on Twitter and their handles are down in the show notes you'll see they've really thoroughly enjoyed this first week of marriage and I think they've got they've set themselves up well and the Lord is definitely providing for them you know one of the things that I, I loved and, and I told my husband this it was it was so nice to get to to listen to this episode as I was editing it in comparison to with the the Jackie and Bobby episode from earlier in the week and really start to reminisce on our early married days and how much life has happened in just four years and Tommy and I pulled our, our wedding video out and, and watched it and laughed and thought about that rainy day and how upset I was but how perfect it ended up being even with the rain you know I think Catholic family life 
in every iteration and in every version of it. And we talk about every iteration and version of it in this series that you should go subscribe to over at AveMariaPress.com. You'll see in the articles, you'll see in the podcast, you'll see in the Facebook Lives. We're not just presenting, oh, a married couple and a few kids in the suburbs. That's that's married life. That's family life. But, but really want to tell the story of, well, what does the Catholic family subsist and consist of? And how does the Catholic family thrive? And how does a Catholic family be holy? And how do we teach the faith to our kids? And how do we walk through suffering? One of my favorite pieces that we're doing this series is um, these guest posts that we have on our Facebook and Instagram page. You should follow us uh, at Ave Maria Press on Instagram and Twitter. And we have different people reflecting on the marriage vows for richer or poorer and sickness and in health, you know, for better or worse and good times and bad. What does that look like? What does that mean? This week, we, we shared a beautiful post from Kathleen Jones. She's a writer and actress from New York, um, and she has cystic fibrosis. And so she shares very beautifully about what that looks like in her marriage and how her husband, you know, he married someone who has a chronic illness and what that means, what that looks like in their relationship. And it's a beautiful reflection on, on the gift of sacrifice and, and the gift that a couple is to one another. All of this content, all of this exploring of the family, I really think can change the world. And I'm not just saying that because this is a project and and this is my job. I'm saying that because the family is so critically important in the world. The family is is so necessary. The family is what makes the world move forward to to produce human beings to live on planet Earth. And, And the family, again, in every version and iteration, the community, of a family, the way a family exists within a Catholic parish, within a school, uh, within a neighborhood, extended family, immediate family, with, with friends and community, the family has the opportunity to give witness to Jesus Christ. And I think this series is really showing and telling the stories of families who are figuring out how to do that, none of them being perfect at it, but every single one of them willing to share how they've done it. So please go over to AveMariaPress.com. You can find all of the content we've created so far. Sign up for the emails for the next three weeks uh, to get the articles and the interviews and the podcasts and the Facebook Live notifications. As always, you can find all of our previous episodes anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We'd, of course, be grateful for a rating and a review so more folks can find the show. Tune in next week for another couple of episodes that I think you're really going to enjoy on keeping our kids Catholic and on heroic fatherhood. Thanks for listening.